the winter months, you didn't have this this blinded by blinded by the light. Sorry, just break out break out in song sometimes. Digimon's Radio episode five hundred and seventy six starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 here we are, end of another month, which means it's time to uh, hopefully have a little fun today, answer a few questions, and uh, try to help a few folks out along the way. So if you're new to the show, uh, one one thing that we do that's a little bit different, a little out of the ordinary, but I guess it's kind of regular, so I guess it can't be that far out of the ordinary, is uh, near the end of each month, we do a, a strictly Q&A episode where I take your cues, try to give them a little A, and uh, hopefully, with a little bit of luck, said A is actually useful, actually helpful actually, uh, you know, helps whoever has asked the question to, you know, get over, get over the hump, uh, move past whatever struggle they've been dealing with and, uh, you know, get back to making some progress in their, in their training. That's, uh, that's the goal. Sometimes maybe we, uh, maybe admittedly might miss the mark a little bit, but, uh, it's never for lack of trying. So, uh, again, if you're new, uh, the best way to get your questions answered, if you've got something on your mind and you, that you'd like me to uh, address in next month's Q&A episode, is to join the Facebook group. Because what happens is, is somewhere in the middle of each month, I put a post up in the Facebook group saying, hey, give me your cues. I need some questions to answer for this month's Q&A episode. And uh, the folks that are in the group you know, can put their questions in there. You're always welcome to submit questions in other manners, you know, through email or Twitter or whatever. But, uh, and I, I will promise to do my best to make sure that those questions make it into the Q and a episode, but, uh, I'd be lying if I said that I'm perfect on that front. But when the questions are submitted in the Facebook group in that thread, it's kind of hard to miss them because you know, that's where all the questions are. That's where I'm going to get said questions for the month. So if your question is there, it will get answered. Um, one other thing, just to uh, as a reminder, or again, maybe if you're, you're kind of new to the show, kind of a, a, a first time hearing this, uh, one of the other things that I offer as a coach are consult calls. Basically, it's our chance to get on the phone and uh, whatever question, issue, problem that you're dealing with, uh, we can go back and forth and talk for you know, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it takes to kind of get some clarity and give you uh, a little bit of direction on which way to go. So you know, if you've got simple questions, obviously in the Facebook group, that's, that's a great way to, to get them answered. But a lot of things are a bit more complicated. You know, I, I've got to ask a few questions to get further clarification on what you're dealing with. Um, and that just simply can't happen through like the Q&A episodes type of, of manner. So when you get into that situation, a consult call, a little kind of one-off coaching call, if you will, might be the best thing for you. And if you want to set one of those up or if you need to somewhere in the future, disruns.com slash consultation. Real difficult to find, right? Uh, disruns.com slash consultation. All the details are there. You can sign up. Uh, and then once, you know, it's, it's, it costs a few bucks on PayPal, nothing ridiculous. Uh, and then it takes you right to my scheduler. You pick an open time that's, that's available. Bada boom, bada bam. I give you a call and we work on whatever you're dealing with. So disruns.com slash consultation. And, uh, I would be remiss. I forgot, I guess, to to mention that if you if you're not part of the Facebook group, uh, disruns.com slash Facebook will get you there. Or if you're just on Facebook, search for the Disruns Tribe. Come on and join our group, and uh, look forward to getting to know you a little bit, 
maybe cracking a few jokes at each other's expense because we'd like to do that as well. Um, and certainly uh, helping you out with questions in the future. So without any further ado, let's dive into the first question this month, which is uh, from Trevor who asks or, or says it's a little bit longer question, but it's all good. That, that little bit of extra context definitely helps. It says uh, starting to swim as a form of cross training while I rest my Achilles and other aches and pains. I'm only doing about 20 minutes and resting for as long as I swim. So I'm assuming that means kind of some, some pretty even, you know, repeats, you know, swim for, for a length and then however long that took rest and recover. That's, that's my assumption. Um, and then he says, when I start running again, uh, I want to do two weight set, weight training sessions a week. Uh, which will be on my heavier running days. Uh, and I'm curious, is there a benefit to adding a swim or two a week as well, or is that too much? If not, do I substitute a run or just add the swim in the evening? Um, in, in for the most part, Trevor, um, I think that, that cross training, especially something like swimming, um, especially for the, the volume that you're doing 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. Uh, you, I'd be hard pressed to say that that's going to be too much. You know, it sounds like you've got things pretty well dialed in as far as, you know, you've got your running days and on the, the days that you, that you, whether it's heavier volume, heavier intensity, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, those are your strength training days. I like that idea, uh, as provided that you're doing your strength training after you're running. I, I definitely want you want to encourage you to do that. But in addition, if you want to add a, a, a swim or two each week, um, I see no reason that you have to take running off the table or, you know, substitute out uh, a 20 minute swim for a 20 minute run. Um, I think that you can absolutely add them on top. The, the big caveat there, of course, is that you need to make sure you have the time to do that. If, if it comes to, to push and push and shove and you've got to, to make the substitution to make the swimming happen, I do think that adding a little bit of extra cross training, a little bit of extra variety is a good thing. Um, you know, and, and this is, this is certainly a case of the pot calling the kettle black here because I've, I've only said that I wanted to in, in, incorporate more swimming sw- slash water running for, I don't know, the last three or four years. Um, and I'm saying that again this year, you know, as, as this summer's rolling around, uh, I've, I've got plans to, to get in the water a bit more and, and do some more dedicated, you know, aqua cross training, um, may or may not include swimming laps. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about doing more water running, but, uh, but in any event, I think it's a great addition to, to a good training program. Um, and, and like I said, adding 20, 30 minutes uh, on top of what you're already doing, provided you have the time and the rest of your life to do that, uh, I don't see that as being something that you need to worry about being too much. Listen to your body, of course. Make sure you're getting plenty of rest, of course. All of those little things are still uh, still in, in effect. But, you know, just simply adding a couple days of, of swimming on top of whatever running volume you're doing, you know, we're not talking hours in the pool. We're talking 20, 30 minutes. Go for it, my friend. Uh, and hopefully that'll lead to, to maybe a little bit of reduced injury risk in the future and, and feeling good for your fall races, whatever you have on schedule. So I, I like the idea, Trevor. Uh, good luck with it and hope that the, the little Achilles issues and, and aches and pains are uh, solved soon and you're back out there getting after it uh, sooner rather than later. Next question comes from a man, Hiawatha, who says, uh, or who asks, what do you do when your foot size increases half size? It says that uh, his doctor says that it's because he was doing uh, high intensity interval training uh, and, and kind of his feet flattened out. So uh, he says that running feels very weird. Um, I, this, this answer is going to kind of be a little bit snarky. And I, I don't mean it that way, but I mean, you know, get, get some bigger shoes, I think is, is the, only, uh, the only real answer. Um, you know, it, it, and, and trying to sound less snarky now, you know, having a slightly bigger shoe, bigger shoe, bigger foot size, it might feel a little bit weird, but it's only, you're going to adapt and adjust, you know, it's, 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 yeah. I mean, and, and as long as you've got shoes that actually fit your feet, I think that, I mean, honestly, that was a little bit snarky, but I think that's also a little bit true. You know, our feet, our feet size can change. I don't know whether I would 
attribute that all to doing the, the high intensity training or not the interval training or not. Maybe, maybe not, whatever, but your foot size changed. All right, get it, get a different shoe. You, you, you get a little bit bigger shoe where your foot is able to, to still not be crunched, crunched up into your, your old, older, you know, smaller size shoes. Um, it's probably not going to feel that awkward. And even if it does, that's, that's your new normal. So you just have to get used to it, you know, and I can't imagine it'll take you more than a week or two at most. I mean, it, you know, you'll, you'll adapt pretty quickly. You just gotta, you just gotta do it. You just gotta kind of fight through that, that weirdness. And it's, I feel like it's the same thing as when, you know, you're trying to slow down a little bit and run easier. It feels so awkward at first, but if you stick with it, it only takes a few weeks and all of a sudden, like you feel pretty comfortable at that easier pace, um, which is, which is very beneficial. So I think it'd be the same thing for you, Hiawatha, just, you know, get, you know, change your shoe size. If, if, if you haven't done so already to, to the newer size shoes, um, and then just, just, you know, tough it out for a couple of weeks and, and you won't even notice the difference by the time, you know, whatever the, the next thing on your schedule is, or even just by the time, you know, summer officially starts on, on the, on the solstice or the equinox or whatever it is, is it the, the summer solstice, right? So on the solstice, by then you'll be fine. As long as you're running consistently by then, it, it'll feel, it'll feel like second nature at that point. Um, next question comes from my wife, but she was just trolling me. So I'm not even going to give, give her question the time of day for the podcast itself. She can troll me all she wants, but she doesn't get doesn't get any airtime for that kind of nonsense. So moving on to the next question coming from Jennifer says, uh, first off, keep doing what you're doing. I regularly listen. Well, thank you, Jennifer. I plan to keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm glad that you appreciate it. Um, says, I, I regularly listen to the podcast, though I don't post in the group much. Says, I'm at a point of frustration with battling injuries over the past 18 months. Between an Achilles strain, a sprained knee, and a hip stress fracture, uh, each injury has taken months to get over. I've increased strength training, gone to PT faithfully, been fitted for proper shoes, and increased stretching, but I'm not sure what else to do to stay healthy. I started running a bit later than most in a, uh, than most runners and started a few years back, so this should turn 50 next year, uh, and have taken it slowly, and uh, she doesn't run every day. I've done up to a half marathon, and I have this crazy thought of doing ultras one day, but then she says, is there a point where another injury crops up and I just go, you know what? Running obviously isn't for me. Or is this part of the learning process and um, and I need to just keep pressing on? It's my therapy. I love it and I don't want to give up. All the couch coaches say helpful things like, quote unquote, I told you that running was bad for you. She says, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think it's crazy for me to keep trying? P.S. I'm healthy at the moment, but part of me is waiting for the next thing to flare up. Jen, I mean, wow. I feel for you, you know, first and foremost, I, that, that sucks. That, that really sucks. Um, I, I don't, you know, my, my, my gut instinct is to say, keep going girl. Um, you know, that, that, uh, I don't think that as a whole, you know, people just, you know, that, that some people just can't, you know, quote unquote can run and some can't run. Obviously we all are, are different genetically. We all have different body makeups and structures and strengths and weaknesses. And, and, you know, there's, there's a whole host of variables out there, but I, I do think that all of us, at some level can find the right balance between our training and our bodies cooperating with us. And that, you know, just like anything, you, you start small and, and you build up over time and eventually you can do more. Our bodies adapt. They get stronger. That's, that's one of the, the things that we do best as human beings. Um, and, and you just have to, to ride it out. Um, that said, again, I, I feel for you. I, I understand the frustration. The good news, if, if there is good news is that, you know, looking at, at your injuries and, and, and obviously not knowing all of the details, all of your, your history with, you know, kind of how these, these injuries came about, um, they all look like they're kind of could, could almost be considered kind of fluky, you know, it, 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 
again, I mean, just looking at, at this on the service level, I don't know that there's anything that, that we can look at based on, on, you know, an Achilles strain, a sprained knee and a hip stress fracture to say that you're specifically injury prone to say that there's a specific thing that you're doing wrong. I mean, we've got, you know, basically an ankle injury, a knee injury and a hip injury. Now, if they were all on the same side, that might be a red flag that there's a little something off. But if, if two of them were on one or, you know, either the right or the left and one of them was on the other, um, or even if they were all on the same side, I mean, again, they're all kind of fluky, fluky things, um, you know, that, that, can happen to any of us, can happen to all of us, can happen out of the blue. Um, so, you know, what I want to tell you is, is you don't have to give up on running. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. Um, it may mean feeling like you have to start at square one. It may mean that you kind of are, are building from, from scratch again. Um, you know, if, if, I, I hate to do it like this. I hate to be that guy, but I, I you know, if I, if I can help you working with you from a coaching perspective, I, I would love to do that. I mean, injured runners are kind of my thing. That's kind of my, my area of expertise, uh, with, with my, my sports medicine background. Uh, I, I love trying to put the, the puzzle together in a way that, that helps somebody who's been struggling with injuries for, for a long time, for years, maybe to, to, you know, kind of put things together and, and all of a sudden, bam, you know, we're able to, to build and, and, and reach some of those bigger goals that maybe those ultra marathon goals without injuries. Like, like that's, that's the type of thing that, that, uh, I mean, I love working with everybody obviously, but that really lights me up as, as runners that have the injury issue. So if, if there's something that we can do there, you know, I'm happy to help you. But, but again, just on the surface level here, um, without knowing all of your details, without knowing, uh, the exact kind of, of circumstances of some of these injuries and how they came about, I would definitely say that it's, it's part of the process it's a painful part of the process, pun somewhat intended. It's, it's not a fun part of the process, but you know, it, nothing, nothing that you've said in, in your, in your question or in some of the other interactions we've had on various social medias over the years, uh, leads me to think that, um, that all hope should be lost, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I have a great bit of advice again, without knowing exactly kind of the, the situation and the circumstances, you know, maybe, maybe, um, doing so, I don't know if you do run walk or not, but maybe that might be a good place to start to kind of break up those running sessions so that, you know, you're running for a couple of minutes or whatever the case might be, and then get in a walk break in there. And that just, you know, is, is a way to even, um, progress to make your, your gradual progressions even easier on your body a little bit. Um, you know, and eventually that can be phased out. If you don't want to do the run walk thing, maybe you fall in love with the run walk and that's something that you continue. I I don't know exactly the details there, but, but that's it. That's an idea. Um, progressing slowly, maybe hitting the trails for a bit. If that's, if that's a possibility with where you live, um, maybe, maybe running on the road, especially with the hip, the, the hip stress fracture thing, maybe, maybe getting off the roads a little bit, or at least on occasion, once or twice a week, if not even exclusively, uh, maybe that would help. Uh, I have a client that that was really, that was, that was like the, 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 the miracle cure was getting off the roads and getting on the trails. And, and, um, all of a sudden some of the, the, the more serious aches and pains became very minimal and, and hit and miss. And all of a sudden we were having days where there was no pain, which hadn't been happening before. Um, and it was just something about changing the surface, changing, changing the, the routine a bit. And, and now she's in love with the trails and, and, you know, runs on the roads once in a while, almost begrudgingly, but enjoys being on the trails more than, more than anything else. So maybe that would help you. I, you know, there's, there's a whole host of, of different options and different ways that, that might help you, uh, Jen. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's trial and error. It's, it's continuing to ask questions, continue to, to get advice. Um, and again, if, if I can help you from a more hands-on perspective, uh, would love to do that. Um, but you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna, obviously not forcing that type of situation. You know, that's, that's all up to you. But, um, you know, the, 
working with somebody like you who's had injury problems is one of my favorite things to do to help you get over that. So if I can be of service, please let me know. But uh, definitely would encourage you to keep keep the faith. It, it, obviously, this is something that you enjoy doing, um, something that you have aspirations to continue to do and, and continue to do more of. Um, and I think that, that, you know, almost where there's a will, there's a way type of situation. I think that, you know, be smart, be, be uh, patient, uh, continue to ask questions, maybe engage a little bit more in the group, or at least uh, ask some of those questions, get, you know, crowdsource some information, things like that. But uh, hopefully, you know, you can have turned the corner now and have a, you know, you, you're feeling healthy now. Let's, let's keep it that way. Hope you have a clean bill of health as it, as it relates to running. Just, I mean, shoot, as it relates to health in general um, for the rest of 2018 and well into 2019. Uh, and, and you can really get all those benefits that you enjoy, the mental benefits, the, the physical benefits, just the, the joy of the sport. Uh, you know, hopefully you can get a nice long string together. But thank you for the question, Jen. Thanks for, for popping in and, and uh, speaking up a little bit. But uh, glad to have you as part of the group. And thanks for listening to the show. Um, Next question comes from Barb. She says, thanks for all you do. Love the Q&A episodes. And I've got a few for this one. Uh, she says, up until a few weeks ago, I've been doing the majority of my training on the treadmill. I'm running the Fargo half in a couple of days, which was actually a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, you know, that's how things work out sometimes when I post the questions or post the call for questions early and don't record until the end of the month. But anyway, she says, I've noticed that as my training hit the max volume, I'm achy in new places and it takes longer to recover from the longest of my long runs. I've increased foam rolling and have, and, and have added more yoga into my routine. Is this extra soreness and pain a little bit normal? I would assume so. She says, I'm running more than ever before, but I'm afraid to push through too hard and end up with an injury, especially so close to race day. She says, I've also noticed the inside of my right calf has been sore. Could it be caused somewhat by running on the trails and road because of the slight grade as opposed to running on the treadmill? One more. I'm running outside now that spring is here, but everything is blooming and budding and there are all kinds of, there is all kind of stuff in the air. I find it hard to breathe sometimes. Is there anything I can do to make it easier to breathe? Thank you. Wow, Barb, the, the trifecta of questions there. I love that. Getting getting in the questions, getting max value for your your uh, your, your comment in the, the post. Um, to tackle the first question, uh, aches and pains when the volume is increased? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's common. That's that's you know typical or typical-ish. You're going to get more soreness. You're, you're pushing yourself farther, right? Um, you know, th- th- that's, that's how our bodies, you know, adapt and get stronger as we, we push the limits. So if, if you're used to running, you know, 20 to 25 miles a week, and then you get into that max volume stage of your training, you're up to 30, 31, 32, maybe 35 miles a week. Um, yeah, that's pushing the limits. Your, your, your body has to adapt. There's, there's, you know, some, some trauma at the cellular level, which is totally normal, to- totally healthy, not something that you need to necessarily be afraid of. Just keep listening to your body. Like maybe, maybe that's not the time to, to hammer repeat super hard if you're feeling really kind of sore and achy, but a little bit of, of residual soreness that you haven't experienced much lately, but, but you're pushing the limits totally normal. And that soreness is part of your body's, uh, adaptations, the, the repair work that's going on, that's helping you get stronger. So nothing to be overly worried about there. And, and I would be shocked if, you know, during that taper period leading up to Fargo, um, most of those, probably all of those aches and pains went away because all of a sudden now when you're tapering, you're cutting down on that volume, giving your body that time to rest, recover, repair. Um, and that's why that, that's why the taper follows that high volume period and it precedes the race so that you can be feeling as good as possible, uh, as recovered as possible, as strong, as fresh, as ready as you possibly can on race day. Um, so the next question there, the, the inside of the calf has been sore kind of randomly. Could it be because of getting off the treadmill? Absolutely. Now, now I'm not saying 100% that it is, but it absolutely could be because again, you you know, your body had adapted to running on the treadmill, which gosh, 
kills me to even think about adapting to running on the treadmill, but uh, that's neither here nor there. That's a discussion for another day. But your body had adapted to running on the treadmill, which means that it was adapted and used to and comfortable with the idea of your foot hitting pretty much exactly the same every step because the, the treadmill deck is flat, right? Then you get outside, you get on the trails, you get on, on some situations where there's, a, like you said, there's a little bit of a gradient. There's the curve of the road. You know, not every step is actually perfectly flat. You got a little uphill, a little downhill. You're turning corners, turning around, you know, around bends in the trail, all those types of things. So your body's pushing a little bit and, and it wouldn't be a surprise that, that maybe some of the aches and pains could be a result of that. Could be a combination of both of, of the higher volume plus, you know, re reacclimating to not running on the treadmill. So, you know, again, nothing I think to be too concerned about there. Last question, kind of running while everything's in bloom. That's tough. That's tough. Hopefully you're not having too many allergy issues, but, but maybe that's the case as well. Um, and, and there's really not that big of a trick. I mean, you know, if, if it's, if it just feels like there's, there's too much, you know, stuff in the air that makes it hard to breathe, you know, maybe putting a buff over your, your, over your face, kind of face, kind of like a little, you know, mask, a dusk particle type of thing. Maybe that would help worth a shot. Um, but you know, if it's just kind of allergies and things like that, you're just feeling congested, you know, there's, there's not much. I, I've found that I used to have really bad allergies in Florida and I don't really suffer that much anymore. I'll have a little, a little time when it's, when it's not quite perfect, but for the most part, eh, not too bad. And I think it's just been, you know, by, by being active outside year round and getting a, a low dose of pollen all year round that when things actually bloom, it doesn't affect me as much because my body's used to it. Um, at least that's what I like to tell myself because, you know, five, six years ago when I first started really getting back into running, I'd have allergies really bad. And now no big deal. I'm running year round. I think that that plays something to do with it. But if there's other air quality issues, you know, the, I, I don't know of anything better than, than the, the quote unquote typical guidelines of, you know, try to run earlier in the morning when there's less, you know, auto exhaust, auto exhaust, car dust, things like that in the air. Um, maybe after a rain, hopefully that, that settles some things down a little bit. So it's a little bit, bit better for you. Um, but, but I mean, in those situations, you only do the best you can. So hopefully, you know, things calm down pretty soon now that spring has hopefully sprung and, and, and you, you know, you don't have to worry about that anymore, but something to hopefully keep in mind, uh, for, for next year, uh, if the, if the situation is similar, but thanks for the question questions, Barb, really appreciate it. Uh, next question comes from Joanne it says, any tips on how to run quickly and safely downhill? I've got the uphill sorted, but don't feel so competent on the downhills. Yeah, Joanne, I've got an idea for you. Uh, and to quote, to quote or to channel, maybe to channel my inner Allen Iverson, I would just say practice. We're talking about practice, man, practice. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to, you know, and, and if you don't get the reference, it was a, a, a basketball player issue from several years back. Um, but basically what, what, uh, what, what we're going on here, what we're talking about for you, Joanne, is that, um, you know, like you said, you've got the, you've got the uphill sorted. So what I'm assuming is kind of the case is you've probably done some running of, of hill repeats where you run up the hill, um, you know, a certain distance or a certain time. And then you, you, you know, recover on your way back down you walk down or maybe, um, you know, get yourself back to the bottom of the hill and then you run hard up, hard again, walk a real easy jog down. And you've never really practiced running downhill. Running downhill is an art. It's something that, that requires some practice. Um, but once you figure it out, once you've done it a few times, whew, it makes a huge difference. You know, I, I love bombing downhills on race day and you can tell the people who haven't practiced it cause they're, they're running on their heels. They're leaning back. They're trying to, they're forcing themselves to try to run slow. And if you practice a little bit, there's a theme here, practice, practice, man, practice. If you practice going downhill, 
You're able to, to open up the engine, feel confident in your ability to run downhill without ending up ass, ass over elbows going down the hill, that type of thing. Um, and you can really, I mean, I've run not for long stretches, but for a down, for a good downhill easily under, under six minute pace, feeling like I'm walking, feeling like I'm walking. Cause I just, you know, open it up. So a couple of things to work on. If, if you're, if you're new to running downhill and, you, and you're trying to get, get comfortable with it, lean forward a little bit, right? It, that, that, that goes against all logic because it's like, I need to lean back so I don't end up tumbling down the hill. But if you're leaning forward a little bit so that you're basically trying to stay perpendicular to the hill, um, you almost can't help, but keep going. Like, like your feet will keep up with you. Just trust it. Lean forward and just let your feet go. They will keep up. They, they will. It's, it's crazy, but it, but it happens. And the more you can trust it, you know, don't lean way forward, obviously, but, but lean, don't, don't lean back either. Don't fight the hill. Lean forward. Your feet will keep up. Look out ahead. You almost feel like you're running out ahead and then you're just, you're dropping a little bit farther, you know, obviously with the, with the decline. Um, don't look at the ground in front of you. Look out straight out. Um, you know, obviously your peripheral, you're going to see if there's, if there's debris or something like that in the way that you need to be aware of. But for the most part, look out in front, lean forward and kind of have your arms out to the side a little bit, you know, kind of flap them if you need to. Uh, it, it, you might look a little bit silly, but that kind of helps to, to stabilize your center of balance, your center of mass. It, it widens it a little bit, which gives you a little extra stability. Um, and, and you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, work on those technique issues, leaning forward, arms out, focusing out in front and trust that your legs will keep up because they will, they will. Um, and, and once you feel comfortable with it, you'll start bombing down the hills. Um, and, and it's, it's a double-edged sword of, of actually, I mean, double-edged, um, benefit because it gives you the confidence. If you know, it's a, it's a hill where there's an up and a down on the course, you can power up the hill pretty good. Um, and not worry about burning yourself out because you know that you've got the, the downhill coming up on the other side where you can coast, you can relax and still run fast and still run fast. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so you might, you might pass people on the up and pass people on the down because a lot of people are afraid of the Hills. Don't be one of them, but it takes some practice. So hopefully that, that helps Joanne. Um, I mean, like I said, it really just comes down to, to practice and practice on small hills and work your way up on a, on a, on a hill with a low gradient. So you're not feeling too uncomfortable, too nervous and, and start with those, those, you know, less, more gradual hills and work your way up to a bit steeper, a bit steeper, a bit steeper. And pretty soon, you know, whatever kind of, you know, unless it's a, a mountain, you know, unless you're going down a cliff face, uh, there won't be too many hills that you're afraid of and you'll just bomb down them and, uh, and, and be in complete control everywhere you go, because that's, that's another thing with your arms out wide. It helps you to, to stabilize, helps you to turn if you need to, things like that. Um, it just, it, it just happens. It's, it's physiologic, it's biologic. You don't have to think about it, but just let your arms fly out to your side a little bit, flap them a little bit if necessary and bomb down those hills. It's, it's whew, love it. Love me a hill on race day. Um, and especially love just blowing by people, uh, that are afraid that are afraid to open it up. Um, I've learned it. I've practiced it. I'm comfortable with it. Whew. It's, it's an asset on race day as well. So hopefully that helps Joanne. Uh, next question coming from Melody. Do you have, any, or sorry, do you need to foam roll even though you don't have any soreness? Eh, I mean, I don't know that you need to, but I would say it's still beneficial. Uh, I would say that there's still benefits to it. You know, you're, you're still getting the massage action. You, you know, you still probably, even if you don't have soreness, you probably have some, some low grade adhesions built up in your muscles from being active, from running, from doing workouts, things like that. Um, and you know, it's always easier to nip those problems in the bud than it is to, uh, you know, wait until they actually become an issue and try to solve them. So, you know, even though you don't have any soreness, do you quote unquote need to foam roll? Eh, maybe, maybe not, but it's not a bad habit to get into. 
five, 10 minutes a day on the foam roller while you're watching TV, while you're watching the news, while you're talking to your spouse, whatever the case might be, while you're, while you're, you know, trolling through Facebook, while you're trolling me in the Facebook group, get on the foam roller five, 10 minutes a day, develop that habit now. And you may never quote unquote need to do it because you've been proactive about it. And that's, that's ultimately the name of the game, proactivity, getting ahead of the problems before they become a problem. That's, that's always the best bet. Um, so I would definitely still encourage you, Melody, to get uh, get on the foam roller regularly, even though you don't have any soreness at the moment, and count your blessings by not having that soreness as well. Uh, next question comes from Ben, Mister Troll, Troll, trolling me himself. He says, "When are you doing your first try?" I don't know. Not anytime soon. I can tell you that much. Uh, no desire to do a triathlon right now. Have learned to never say never. Um, I could see myself maybe doing a triathlon at some point. But, uh, not, not right now, probably not in 2018. Uh, so I would, I would encourage you, Ben, and anyone else who wants to, who has the itch to try to get me into a, into a triathlon, don't hold your breath. I'm not going to say never. I've learned that lesson many times, but no desire at the moment to, uh, to get into a triathlon. So we'll see, but let's not, uh, let's not start holding our breath on that one. Next question comes from Jessica. What are your thoughts on running high mileage? when you're not necessarily training for anything. She says, my coach is worried that running 40 to 50 miles per week in between cycles will lead to injury. I like the high mileage and the long runs, even when I don't have a big race on the horizon. I know it's all relative. And she says she peaks at 60 miles for a marathon, but is there any harm in running all of those miles? I certainly hope, she said, it certainly helps my mood. So I'm hoping the answer is no. Yeah, I mean, the answer is definitely no, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and, uh, certainly not trying to talk bad on your coach, but if you, if you guys aren't on the same plan or aren't, aren't on the same page there, that to me is more of the red flag than how many miles you're running. Um, you know, it's, 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 there's, there's different philosophies. There's different ways of training. There's different styles and, and thoughts and, and the differences aren't necessarily bad. They're just differences. You know, it's like, there's different ways of, of preparing, uh, a meal, you know, there's, there's different ways of cooking, cooking potatoes. You can bake them, you can boil them, you can mash them, you can fry them. Like th- th- that's fine. There's just different ways. Some people like them better one way than, than the other way. Um, you know, there's different ways of dressing up your potato after you've baked it. Do you like it with just butter? Do you like it butter and sour cream? Do you like it with chili? Do you like it with broccoli? Do you know, there's, there's all different ways to get there. Same with your training. You know, there's different ways to get there. Sounds like, again, and I'm not trying to dog on your coach at all. Um, hopefully you guys have a great relationship and, and this is just a little, a little, you know, your coach is just voicing his or her concern and you guys are working through this together. But I, you know, I, I've talked about this before. If you go back to episode 490, which was, uh, I think November ish of, of last year, November of 2017, I, I, I did the whole, uh, Quick tip episode on the idea of raising your floor to raise your ceiling. Sometimes the best thing you can do to improve is to to do more base building, and I feel like that's what you're doing. Doing having that that higher volume, even though you're not in a in a training cycle, provided you're doing it intelligently, provided you're keeping your easy runs easy, not really pushing the intensity too much. Um, you're building that base. You're raising that floor, which makes it easier to then train for a marathon when you get into the next training cycle or, or makes it easier to, to train for an ultra or a half, whatever it is, you know, you, you've built that base up so, so strong by, by maintaining that higher level of, of fitness that you have less building that needs to be done in a short window. 
if that makes sense. You're building for the long term instead of the short term that way. So I have no problem with it as long as, again, you're being smart, you're keeping your easy runs easy, you're listening to your body, you're making sure that you know, you're know you not a slave to X number of miles per week. If you're feeling fatigued, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling worn down, you cut that week short and make it a kind of a recovery week You know where you're only getting maybe 20 or 30 miles. That gives you that, you know, now you've got that breath of fresh air and the next week you're back up to, to 40 to 50 miles of training. If that fits your life and it works for you and everything's in, in balance and, and I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, lots of, lots of, of areas there that, that need to be addressed, but assuming that you're checking all those boxes, I say rock on sister. Um, but again, all that to say, I don't want to counter contradict your, your coach. So, um, you know, if, if. You guys need to work that out and get on the same page. Uh, and if you're shopping for a new coach, I know a guy, but you know, but again, not, not trying to, to sabotage you in that relationship, but I do think that it's important that, that from a coaching client, coaching runner relationship, I do think it makes sense. And I do think it's vital actually, not that it makes sense that it's vital to get on that same page. So if, if your coach is worried, I think you guys need to have a little heart to heart. Uh, that would be my best advice. Have the heart to heart and figure out what, what you're going to do and have buy-in on both sides. Um, so that, so that there's not this possibility of the coach coming back and saying, Oh, I told you so down the road, or you begrudgingly cutting your mileage down, even though you don't want to. And then having, you know, having a harder time building back up next. I mean, you know, again, just get on the same page. I think that's, that's the moral of this story. Um, with the details being that, that I do think that it's, it's fine to have higher mileage again, as long as everything is seemingly going well in all the other areas. So Hopefully that doesn't, you know, muddy the waters more for you, uh, just than, uh, than it helps, but hopefully it does help a little bit. So a uh, great question though. And, and definitely I'm a big fan, raise that floor and it makes, uh, it makes the ceiling even higher. Love it. Love it. Uh, next question comes from, uh, our friend in the tundra, Miss Jen Walton, um, where actually the tundra is, is, uh, balmy these days. Spring has officially sprung in Winnipeg. She says, what are some of the early warning signs of burnout? In other words, how do we more quote unquote type a runners know when it might be time to take a break from pursuing one particular goal and shift to another for a while? She says in parentheses, I'm learning this the hard way right now as anybody who's been paying attention to the Facebook group knows. Um, so maybe someone else can learn from my mistakes. So <clears throat> excuse me there. Um, Jen and to anyone else who is, is maybe borderline, uh, feeling like maybe you're burnt out or, or you're kind of in that type a so locked in on a goal and it's taking you a while to get there. I think that, that the biggest warning sign or the biggest, you know, red flag is when it stops being fun, when it stops being fun, when, when running is no longer fun, when it's not something you're looking forward to, when it's not something you're excited to do, you know, when, when, when you're looking almost for excuses to, uh, to getting out the door for your run, as opposed to like being chomping at the bit when you first get up in the morning to, to just, you know, get through the morning routine and get dressed and get out the door. Um, that's when, that's when the warning bells should start going off. Um, when, when you don't care, when, when it's, when it becomes a chore, when it's no longer fun. Um, I think that's, that's the time when it's like, all right, we need to, we need to change the focus. You know, maybe it's because you've been, been so close to, to getting the PR the last three or four races, but you haven't been quite able to come over it. And it, it almost becomes a burden it becomes a weight. It becomes, it becomes, again, it becomes a chore. That's when it's time to shift focus, maybe run a different distance, maybe run a race entirely for fun, maybe throw a, a different wrench in the equation and run without your watch or at least so you can't, you know, see all the, all the, the data that you're used to relying on. And you can just really just listen to your body and see how you're feeling and, and, you know, run the race that you're best capable of that day, instead of trying to run by the watch and use that to control yourself. Um, 
you know, we I've talked about this a lot in, in various different forms lately in the emails and in the Facebook group and things like that. But, you know, maybe, maybe that's time to, to do a trail race. If you're usually a road runner, do a, do a half instead of a marathon or go the other direction, do an ultra instead of a marathon, something that totally shifts your focus, gives you a different perspective, allows that, that thing that you've been chasing for a while, um, to kind of give it a chance to breathe a little bit, get it out of your mind, take it out of the crosshairs. It's not the focus anymore. The focus is a different goal, a different challenge, just to have fun, whatever it might be. And th- that original focus, that, that PR, that BQ time, that, that, you know, tackling a new distance, whatever it might be, it's, it's not going anywhere. Just put it on the back burner and come back to it six months, eight months, 12 months from now. And you'll have a, a renewed vigor to, to achieve that goal, which is going to make things fun again. You're going to be excited to train. You're going to be excited to get your miles in and, and it's not going to be that burden, AKA you're not going to be toying with burnout at that point. So, um, you know, that's the long answer, the short answer, when it starts to feel not fun anymore, when it starts to feel like work, like a chore, like a burden that you have to, to, to carry. That's, that's my sign that, uh, warning burnout straight ahead. Time to shift focus a little bit, time to shift gears and make running fun again. So hopefully that helps Jen. And, uh, you know, knowing you and working with you, I think that, that, uh, that that has happened, which is awesome to see. Um, and I know that there's plans to shift focus even more in the fall, which I I'm all aboard all, all in favor of that. I think it's going to do nothing but help you in the pursuit of that, uh, that B- BQ with enough buffer, uh, in the future. So keep it up. Um, but, uh, but great question. And hopefully, like you said, something that can help others as well. Just have a couple questions left. The next one's from Matthew says, uh, hope I'm not too late with this one, but just thought of it when it comes to long runs and fuel, what are the signs that we need to fuel on the run? Uh, I'm wanting to run on water alone and wonder, uh, wonder how to tell if this is enough for me. Um, this is probably not the best question for me to, 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 uh, to answer, uh, in an, in a non-biased way, Matthew, because I am a fan of training without fuel. I'm a fan of training fasted and training without fuel. So what does that mean? That means when I get up in the morning before a run, before a, a short run, a, a, a high, you know, a speed run, a long run, I don't have anything to eat. I'll have some water, you know, I'll, I'll hydrate a little bit. Um, but that's it. So I'm, I'm, you know, coming out of, of not eating for the last seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours, depending on whenever it was the last time that I, I ate the night before. Um, and then I, I go out and hammer my run or grind through my run, whatever the case might be on nothing but water. Um, you know, if it's a long run, I might put a little bit of vitamin C or a little bit of sea salt or something like that, a little bit of, of electrolyte in it, but no, no calories. Um, and that's fine. And that's fine. Is it, is it tough? Is it, can it be difficult? Sure. You know, you're, you're running on, on the low reserves, but I, you know, I've been doing that for a while with the idea being that that gives me, um, you know, I make it harder for myself in training, but then on race day, I'm stacking the, the deck in my favor. On race day, I'm having something to eat before my race. I'm having breakfast, you know, and then I'm, I'm fueling during the race. I'm having some, some Gatorade or I'm having some tailwind, or maybe I've got a chew or, or something like that, or, you know, something I've got some type of fuel that I'm going to have during the race to give myself that little bit of extra, extra oomph on race day to, to keep going, to power through, to, to finish a little bit faster. All right. So train, train low race, you know, train, train depleted race full. I think that's a, a, not a bad strategy. And then as I've gone through the primal endurance stuff, which I've talked about before and, and, you know, becoming more fat adapted, um, it even strengthens my resolve to train in a fasted state and to train without fuel, because what that's doing is, is helping your body to learn how to, to utilize your fat stores, which even the, 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 the thinnest of us, um, have ample stored body fat 
that we can that we can draw on for our running. And if we can become more efficient at burning fat for fuel, then we're less reliant on the carbs and especially the external carbs, the the, the goos and the gels and the, the drinks and things like that, which means that our risk of bonking is very minimal because bonking basically happens when you run out of carbohydrates um, and GI distress. And you think, well, how am I going to run out of carbohydrates because I'm going to keep fueling? Well, if you're pushing yourself hard enough, your body gets to a point where it can't process more glucose glob of crap in your stomach anymore. That's where you get sick. That's where you have the GI issues um, because you, you just can't take in that, that sugar anymore. So, and then, and then you bonk, <laughs> right? So if we can get to the point where that's not a concern anymore, where I'm so well adapted to running on, on my stored body fat that I can hammer out my marathon and supplement with a, with a, with a shot of Gatorade here and there, maybe a, a piece of an orange or a half of a banana, something like that. that I get a little bit of extra sugar because I'm, I'm giving a hard effort on race day. So it's okay to add a little bit of sugar to the fire, but I don't need, I'm not running just on sugar because we can only store a certain amount of sugar in our bodies. And then, like I said, we can supplement, but eventually the, our ability to take in that supplementation runs out as well. So if I'm good on the fat and I can burn the fat for the fuel, I'm good to go. Good to go. That's the science of it. That's the theory behind it. Uh, so far, so good on my end of it. And, and I know, Matthew, you're kind of going down that primal route as well. Um, so I would say that you're, you're just fine. You're just fine. Running on water alone is going to be great. Um, you know, this past weekend, I did 20 miles coming out of, out of not eating before the run. Went 20 miles. I felt strong-ish, but it wasn't, uh, I, I don't think that it was a lack of fuel that made me feel less strong. It was more of a lack of, I hadn't done anything more than about 14 miles in the last like three months. Then I hammered out 20. May have, may have bit off a little bit more than I could chew uh, for that long run, but it was a good, it was a good way to push myself a little bit, kept the pace nice and easy. So there's no very little residual soreness, even the day after, you know, feeling, felt pretty darn good. Um, no big deal. Uh, and, and, and all, all with no fuel. So, you know, I feel like my body's coming around and I feel like if, if that's something that you're focused on, Matthew, that, that it, your body will come around as well. And even if you're not, like I said, I think there's benefit to training in a depleted state and then really stacking the deck in your favor on race day. So, uh, I'm all about the idea of, of running, doing most of your runs, even your long runs, uh, you know, no fuel, no, no fuel at all. Your body will figure it out and it's only going to make you stronger, uh, when it, when it's all said and done. Last question coming. Another one from Melody said, I thought of this one, uh, one other question, um, said last summer and, and before she really had any idea what she was doing from a training perspective, because she's still kind of new to running. Uh, I did a fair bit of running in the heat. It was very exhausting, but I thought that I was quote unquote, just pushing through. However, at the end of some of these runs, everything looked really bright. Anything that was white, i.e. rocks on the ground, clouds in the sky, anything, uh, looked too bright to even look at. It was very, it was very disorienting. Uh, I thought it was maybe just because I was out of breath. Do you know what caused this to happen? Is it related to heat illness? Something's, or someone said it sounded like blood pressure was dropping too quickly, but they weren't sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that it was blood pressure related. I'm not going to go as so far as saying it wasn't, um, but I would definitely say that it was an overexertion type of situation. So, um, could it be heat related heat stress? Yeah, it could be, you know, blurry, blurred vision is, is maybe a bit more common, um, as far as, uh, and seeing stars. So, you know, if you weren't seeing stars everywhere, just if, if you're looking at just bright things or, you know, white things were, were really bright. Um, uh, but any, any type of visual things, not looking quite right, that could be a sign of heat illness. Um, but again, I, you know, pulling back just a, a slight bit, I would absolutely say that it was a sign of, of overexertion. You're pushing too hard based on the weather conditions, based on your physical condition at that point, based on, you know, being still new to running and not, not having as much of a base of fitness under, underneath you. Um, you know, the moral of the story, 
is that if you're pushing so hard that that body that your body or parts of your body aren't functioning as normal, you're overdoing it. You're overdoing it. So that means you know that the whole um, you know running until you puke or working out until you, you, you know, I know I had a good workout because I threw up at the end. No, 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 no. That means that you overdid it. That means that you did too much. That you were doing so much damage to your body that that you know normal bodily functions couldn't continue to happen. Um, and, and so I, you know, I don't subscribe to that. Uh, there's plenty of research that, that, uh, um, agrees with me on that front, that if you're doing things to the point where bot, your, your body is no longer functioning properly, that's a good warning sign that, uh, Hey, need to check myself before I wreck myself. I need to back off a little bit. So, you know, with that, looking forward into this summer, you know, if you've got some workouts, some harder workouts or, or whatever, you run out there and, and after the run, you notice the same type of thing happening, you know, take a mental note. All right. Well, what was I doing? You know, what? How many? How many miles did I go? What time of day? Um, you know, what was what was the workout like? All those those little variables, and know that if you have a similar workout coming up later in the week or in a couple of weeks or whatever, and the weather's the same, back off a little bit. Back off a little bit. That's your body telling you, whoa, 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 whoa. We've got too much stuff going on here. You know, too much, too much effort, too much exertion, too much trying to cool ourselves because it's hot and humid and things like that. Um, so whether you want to call that heat illness, whether you want to call it overexertion, it, it might be two sides of the same coin in any event, not normal, right? I mean, when you, when you ran in, in the winter months, you didn't have this, this blinded by blinded by the light. Sorry, just broke out, break out in song sometimes. Uh, but you, you didn't have that, that issue where you were blinded by, by your, or you have a hard time looking at some of the brights, you know, the, the whites, things like that. You weren't having those disoriented vision problems. So that's not a normal thing for you. So, you know, all that to say, it's not normal. It's a good sign that you're overdoing it a little bit, back off a little bit next time. Um, and, and, and hopefully, hopefully it won't be something that, that you'll have to deal with much this year anyway, because you're more fit than you were. You have more experience. You know what you're doing. You're working with a guy that knows what, uh, that knows a few things as well. Hopefully that's, that's what I'm selling at least that I know a few things, right? Um, but hopefully Melody, you won't have that situation again this year, but if you do, like I said, back off, not normal. Not something to strive for. Not something. Not certainly not something to brag about. Yeah, I, I ran so hard yesterday that I was I couldn't even look at the at a rock on the ground. It was so bright and blinding me. No, 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 no. That's that's uh, just setting yourself up for for trouble. So back off a little bit and you'll be just fine. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for this month's questions. So that's that's a, a Q and A episode in the books. Uh, thanks to everybody for all the questions. Great questions this month, except for except for Ben's question. But what am I doing? Triathlon? Come on, man. Ugh. Come on. Um, but uh, no, seriously, great, great questions for everybody. Uh, once again, if you haven't gotten your questions in before, if you're new to the show, disruns.com slash Facebook or just search for disruns on the Facebooks. Come join our group um, and have some fun. You know, crack a few jokes, make yourself uh, make yourself at home. And uh, when you see that, that call for questions in the middle of, of the month, throw your questions in the comments and we'll make sure that they get answered in the next Q&A episode, which will be coming to you at the end of the next month, at the end of June of 2018 or you know whatever that whatever month you're listening to this it'll be at the next the end of the next month because we do these every month so uh with that uh i did do a pretty good job today if i may be so bold on the meme and gif department so if you want to check those out disruns.com slash 576 also have links to some of the past episodes past posts things like that that uh, relate to some of the questions that we talked about today uh so check all that stuff out comments feedback always appreciated at disruns on the twitter disruns at gmail.com or in the show notes, you can always leave stuff there as well. Once again, disruns.com slash 474. Come on, Diz. 576. Disruns.com slash 576. And with that, 
We'll go ahead and put a bow on this thing. Thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks to you guys for the questions. We wouldn't have Q and A episodes if it wasn't for for you guys. You know, asking questions, being being inquisitive, ha- letting me help you with the things that you're struggling with. So appreciate the questions as always. Uh, and until next time, please be well. Take care, and uh, we'll talk soon. See you guys.